Hello and welcome to the Ducks Never Waver Lunch Break, where you get food for thought and can rejuvenate to sally forth. He's Edwin the brother. She's Megan the sister. And today we are talking about... Art versus decor. The difference between art and decor. Controversial subject. There's a lot of flimmy flammy talking that we can do and I don't know. I think there's... I think it's only controversial because you might say that what people like isn't good. Yeah. In a certain sense. Yeah. And that steps on people's toes. And this is always the difficult part about discussing art mm. and discussing things that people like and things they don't like and then making value judgments. Now, the fact of the matter is, as people, as humans, we cannot help but make value judgments. We're making value judgments all the time. What we look at, what we don't look at, what we listen to, what we don't listen to. Now, what we want as Christians is for these value judgments to be based upon the word of God, right? And that should direct us and filter what we listen to, what we look at. The problem is, is that when you start making value judgments and then you start connecting it to that, then people can disagree with you and you still can have the whole argument, well, I still like it. And that doesn't mean that that's wrong, morally corrupt and evil. It might be, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. They're yeah, not mutually... Most, most cases are They're not mutually exclusive. So what we're going to be talking about is art versus decor. And it's not like art is greater than decor. That's not the argument we're making. Yeah, not at least right now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe later. Just you wait. No, but... I think what's going to, the through line of this discussion, hopefully, is that there is a place for art and you need to know what it is, and there's a place for decor and you need to know what it is. And you shouldn't abuse either one. Yeah, and I think also we just want to encourage you to take a closer look at your space. Yeah. Not, not that we want you to go out and burn everything in your house, burn it down. Uh, that's, I mean, unless you get insurance for it, if you're really crafty, but don't do that. <laughs> what am I saying? Inciting uh, fraud. Um, Hopefully make... we can have a jovial and uh, amenable conversation mm -hmm. about something that might make you angry. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. No, we hope that you take a closer look at your space and... You evaluate what makes you happy, what doesn't, and then through that you can make decisions and maybe we'll just like spark a little something in your brain. Speaking of, prior to this conversation in that you said spark. So maybe that's actually an interesting way to get into that because people have heard of the person you were talking about, even though I haven't heard of them. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if she's a trend anymore. She had a big Netflix show, but Marie Kondo kind of inspired everyone to start decluttering and organizing in an organized fashion. She breaks down things, I think, into five sec segments or anyways. It's like clothes, paper clutter, kitchen, everything. I don't know. It's everything else. She has, like, this whole division of, of things. But what I like about her, besides some, like, little handy tips on how to fold clothes or, you know, ideas like that, but the, the her main point is that the things around you should make you happy spark joy they should spark joy and if they don't get rid of it it's fine to let go of it and i i think this is 
we, we quickly get into this where our space lives us instead of us living in our space. Like we serve our space instead of our space serving us so quickly, right? Because we don't have the mental space to get rid of stuff or things we hang on to because we think we need it, but it's depressing us. All those things like change how we feel and you need to be conscious of that. And life changes. So your needs are going to change. What worked five years ago might not work anymore. Absolutely. But I think maybe there's a little bit of an ego thing going on there where we think that our past decisions have to always be 100% correct through all time. So we decided that this orange worked in the living room, but now it just doesn't work. But we just like, because we had to make that decision and that decision was the right decision, we're going to hold on to the orange, even though we're not in the seventies anymore (laughs) and the shag carpet is worn thin, but we got to keep on to that thing. That's, that's an interesting point that it's like, you, you want to hang on to the past and hang on to the decisions like you want yeah. you, you want to be right, be right. you want and to be right all the time and maybe just be a little bit more humble and say okay that was then this is now well, give yourself space for growth like we all want to grow right and so what you may have liked like do you really want the same sheets that you had when you were seven like, I you... had cowboy sheets when I was okay, seven. Okay, those were pretty cool. I guess. They were dope. <laughs> but like, I had like little butterflies and dragonflies. Like, I would not enjoy that today. But I really loved it when I was seven. So you just think of like your house, your design, your you know whatever it is. You're going to change, and that's kind of a you, good thing. Like that's yeah, kind of the idea. You would hope that you would change and mature. How how do we choose what we have around us? What criteria do we use? How do we decide what sparks joy? How do we, well, it's kind of a feeling. So you're just it? saying everything is nebulous, chachi feely thingies? <laughs> you just have there... to touch everything in the store and see what happens. No, I I think there's, I'm just, uh, your whole life is kind of what brings you to like your taste, right? Like that's, guides you. Right, but to, do, do you think you like, like a matter of taste is just some kind of arbitrary thing that's unique to each person and there's no like no. constraining criteria upon that? No, and there's a lot of design rules. Like I listened on Wondrium to a design show and I thought that was very helpful. Shameless plug for Wondrium. I know. <laughs> Unfortunately not sponsored, but we it, love Wondrium. We could be a sponsor. We could be sponsored if they wanted to send us money. That's true. That's how that would work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, no, I, I mean, you look at your space, like what you have, like, because every house is built a little bit differently. And you're like, okay, this is what I'm working with. So that's how you decide what size couch you get. And then you see, okay, this window's over here. So that means I have this wall. I can do something with it. I can hang a plant here. I can, you know, put pictures of my family. I can put a piece of artwork, clock. So that's, I mean, that's how you kind of get started, right? And you think about yeah. the function of the space, and then you, you layer in those other things. Yeah. You know, I, in, in, the thing is, it, it's a way more challenging thing to do than you would imagine. Bought a house about a year ago, and it's just so exciting and scary to start with a house that is empty, and you got to decide paint color, and there's a lot of factors that go into paint color, and then paint colors is the hardest honestly 
um, from pretty much every designer I've heard talk about it is that they redo paint colors the most. And you would think they would, would know and they even do all the swatches and everything. They say they end up changing last minute the paint colors. After they see it all painted, they have to pay to redo it. Well, the pro it's it so important and it's so tricky to get right. Well, it's so tricky to get right. Even the tip of doing three foot by three foot blocks of your of your th like your narrowed three color choices it doesn't help you because if you think about a space if you were to paint a cube you're sitting inside a cube and four of those sides four of those six sides are all one color you're gonna have they're gonna look different colors once they're all around you like that because they're not all on the same wall they're not receiving the same angle of light, light and you you what is pleasing in a splash of color could be completely overwhelming as a background color yeah that's why it makes it so difficult i mean small tip if you are intimidated by color i would say pick furniture pieces to be very bold in color and then keep your walls neutral just because then it's a little bit easier to switch out, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm saying, like, if you want to paint your, your walls, you, you do whatever you want. I'm just saying, if you're scared of it and you're like, I really want to have a bright color, but I'm too scared to do a whole wall of it, mm -hmm. get a little side table and paint it whatever color you want. That, uh, pop, yeah. that pop of color, right? Yeah. And that will do it for your eye, right? Because you're going like, to yep. see that. It's going to call attention to itself. But it's not an overwhelming wall, like if you're if you're a little apprehensive of doing that. I don't know if the trends are, are changing a little bit, but I do appreciate having not all the walls the same color. Mm. Even inside a room. Mm -hmm. They need to color theory mix and match and play well together. Oh, yeah. But you can't – you don't have to stick with the same color on all the walls in a room. Why does that even matter though? Because why does what matter? Color like why why does oh, the, oh. the 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 pitch why well, does the paint around you? Well, I mean God created in color. Colors all around us. Like it's so important like we that's what we notice, right? Yeah. Like you know to describe like how you look, I would say you have, you know, dark brown hair, you have blue eyes. You know, that sort of thing. Like we, we say, like, he's wearing a gray shirt, mm -hmm. right? Like, those are things that we notice. And colors are very emotional. Like, we can get into, like, the whole, like, what color matches emotions. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I know, especially for myself, like, certain colors like teal and orange, for me, energize, right? So when I have a space, I feel more creative and energized in yes. that space. I'm not one that's affected well by lots of white, but I know people who are. Like, they find that it's a clean slate and that they can think clearly and they love white. So, the color you paint your wall, is that art or decor? I would say it's, prob gotcha. it's probably... Okay, so I, I have a little... Uh, in a second, I'm going to talk about how I have this scale between art and decor. And I have three things in my room right now that very clearly show the scale of that. So, but what I would say with the walls is your walls, I guess, lean toward decor. But I view it as... If it your walls your, are leaning, you better watch out. <laughs> get out of there. No, I would say that it is your 
blank canvas and that you prep it for your artwork right because with underpainting you may have to paint the canvas red or blue or like whatever you have to paint the, the canvas and then you do your painting over it um, there's a whole color theory I'm not really sure I don't paint yet so I'm not 100% sure but I think of that like one of the art shows it that we went to was stunningly beautiful not only because of the artwork but because the all the walls were painted this intense deep dark blue that just made everything pop off mm -hmm. right so the emotion of the whole space surrounded by these beautiful paintings was that much more intense so i would say that's what your walls are there for they're the foil upon which you paint yeah okay so my what i want was i what i was going to say is i love animals and i like things inspired by animals i have a little frog watering can in my room makes me very happy i've had it since i was about 12. but i also have these little porcelain i think they're porcelain anyways pottery of some sort statues of animals and to start at the decor side of things i have a porcelain cat and it is all one color it's all cream besides two little black eyes it looks cast I think that's how they, mm, I'm yeah. pretty sure that's how they made it. it was cast and it was given to me by someone who was very special in my life and so that's more for me sentimental I love cats but it's also a, a sentimental reason because it's not really a whole lot there when it comes to craftsmen like it's it so, was, the, so the object there is more meaning than the object itself possesses right the, it, the, the meaning is not intrinsic to the object the object is actually more a symbol right of this time in my life, life where i had this relationship it's more encapsulated by that yeah in the middle i have this frog and the frog is also cast but it has more colors it has more um what do you call it when you dip pottery glazes it has more glazes on it a little bit more detail Mm -hmm. but still not a ton you can tell that they made quite a few of them but not as not as many as the cat mm -hmm. then on the art side i have this terracotta this one's also cast but it's hand painted with the glazes and it was made in a shop on the bottom are the scratches of the date and which maker made it mm -hmm. and it's this gorgeous rooster and I got it in Brandywine Museum of the Andrew Wyeth family. So you have here, and they're all very much the same size. They're all these short little figurines. So you have on one side what I would call decor. On the far end. And then on the other far end you have art. And then I have this frog in the middle. So you can, like, you can see like, you, you have this whole spectrum. It's a graduating scale between yeah. those things. And there's valid reasons for keeping all of them. Right. And, but you wouldn't want a house filled with just one end of the spectrum. Well, maybe the art side I would. Maybe. If, you, would, could, if you could handle I would, it. I would not choose to buy more cats. Right. I would want to have more of my roosters. Like but, if, if I could find the same thing again... I would definitely buy it. Whereas if I found a cat again, I, I wouldn't buy that. Okay. Yes, but 
if you had the same thing where the the cat was a symbol for for more that sentimental value that you would still keep it potentially i have downsized on my sentimentality because i i do find that it gets to be too much if i have too many well things. If, if you make everything but sentimental you get overwhelmed exactly because then you're keeping things out of guilt mm-hmm. but to me because i love cats and it's when I think, when I look at it, I think a four-year-old me, and I kind of go on this memory trip, like a, yeah. a happy one. Yeah. Then, then it's fine. But if it's making me feel depressed and guilty, then I do not need it. Yeah. So a couple, couple things I think about when I'm shopping, and I kind of think like, do I need this in my space? Is it art? Is it decor? Is it somewhere in me, in between? Um, a couple things I think about are who's making it. Can I tell that hands made it? Can I tell that, you know, a human made it? Or is it a machine that cranked out three million of them? Now that's, I mean, obviously someone had to design it and someone made the machines that make it. But you can see like how how close, like what's that connection to it? Another thing is that is the piece saying something true that an artist shows you? And that you resonate with. Or was it made to please as many people as possible? Was it looking like at the Pinterest trends and saying, I'm just going to be this product because there's this market. Right. They, they see the market and they just kind of very carefully calculate, okay, I got to take this that some people like and take this. I'm going to mix it together. And even though I personally don't like it, I'm still going to make all of these because it's going to sell. Right. And, and then you're just in that that masses pleasing position, which is why I think art ends up sounding way more snobbish and snooty than it actually is because true art is particular to individual taste. The most importantly, it comes first from the particular taste and and worldview of the artist themselves, right? So that means it's not always going to be liked. It's supposed to be polarizing. Yeah. And then upsets people and think that you're being polarizing. But I'm like, that's kind of the idea. Yes. And polarizing isn't always a bad thing. I, I think that when you say polar and right away, I think of magnetic poles I do think it's interesting how it's the opposite poles that come together. Maybe there's like a metaphor for the fact that you need to be polarizing, but you need the other side. And then it's the equipoise of the two opposing forces being balanced. Could be. Could be. Could be something like that. <laughs> and then, be, yeah, that's as far as that thought went. <laughs> 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 Sorry. No, that's sometimes, not... sometimes you know, like thoughts get derailed and they go off, you know, tumbling down the hill. And sometimes they just stop. You shouldn't try to fill your home with things that make other people happy. And that's the thing too, like with trends. Like if you follow along with a trend because that trend is is true, not like sparks joy. Great, but don't do it because oh, I don't have a trendy house and people are going to judge me and I have all the wrong things in my house and like that's oh. not what you should be doing. Yeah, my poor wife. She was so excited because she just has discovered that she really enjoys having indoor plants and 
every time I walk through the door, we have a new plant. They're kind of like, you know, homeless dogs. They just show up and stay. And it's hilarious because she found out this was a whole trend that's happening. And more and more people are doing it. She's all bummed out because her hobby that she likes is now like this trendy millennial thing to do. But that's not why she did it. So we're going to keep doing it. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I mean, that's a great thing yeah. to fill your house with. If you don't know what else to do, buy a plant. Yes. See if you can keep so, it alive. See if you can keep it alive. See if see if uh, you can maybe uh, start some new ones, some little baby plants. Propagate. Propagate. No, it, the cool thing about having plants in your house is that there's a certain timeless beauty to plants. It's very hard for a plant to be ugly, ugly. Mm-hmm. And because who doesn't like to walk through a well-maintained garden? Yeah. And then you're just putting a well-maintained garden inside your house. Yeah. Only problem is if you have animals in your house, like a cat, you just got to watch them things. Gotta, you got to smack them around. Smack them. Don't, don't let them play with the plant. Not trying to be a dead horse. But part of what makes something good decor or what makes something profitable to have in your house is whether it speaks the the truth about reflecting who you are and not just trying to fit in with the in crowd or just because it's popular by a whole bunch of people for whatever reason right speak the truth your truth yes no and that's actually i think that gets to a point that we like wanted to ease everybody into yeah is that as christians if we confess that god is the most important thing in our life and that everything we do flows out of that, and we're God's image bearers, that means that everything we do reflects who God is, then it would follow that the materials, the matter we have around us, would reflect that truth. So that's that's what we're trying to say when you think about having things around you. That's why we can say, think about it. It's because there's a reason for it, because God's put it there, and he's set you in charge of it. So now you have the task of being a good steward to that. I think it's actually really fun. You get to be your own curator. Yeah. And uh, there's a museum in Toledo, the Toledo Art Museum. And they started out with a really poor, like this is many years ago, Mm -hmm. like 50 years, 60 more. I don't know the whole story. Before my time. But they, they started with a pretty poor collection. But what they kept doing is they would sell a bunch of their paintings off and buy one really good one. Do that again. Buy a really good painting. And they kept doing it. So what we, if you ever have the opportunity to go to Toledo, which you should try to do. Just for the art museums to shake. Oh, absolutely. Because they, it's not a huge collection. It's not like you're going to Chicago, right? Right. It's not a huge collection. And it's not even like they have a whole bunch of, household name rock star paintings yeah. you know you know the Although ones they, they do have big names they have big name artists but yeah. they don't have their their biggest work right but what you have is a very condensed very strong collection Al- that almost distilled yes it feels kind of like if you don't have patience for an art museum this is the art museum you would go to because it is smaller Mm -hmm. and you can see everything easily in one day and take it take it in yes but it's such a good collection good quality such good quality 
So you can kind of think of your home like that. It, you can just kind of keep upgrading. Yeah. And in that process, like this is not... So there, there's kind of like this idea of like we're fighting against two two extremes, materialism and um, minimalism, right? And I think just because something no longer serves a purpose for you, like you're saying those old paintings did for Toledo, doesn't mean they, they sold them to other people. They didn't, they didn't just burn them. <laughs> no. Ugh. What they did is they upgraded over time. Yes. As, and that at, means they can help other smaller museums. Yeah. And that's... That's what you should be doing throughout your life is curating. Yeah. It doesn't mean like just what you don't need anymore goes in the trash. It means that now it goes on to somebody who has a use for it. Exactly. And that's the thing too, like to have an artistic home and to have a home filled with beauty does not have to be expensive. It is not this big designer thing that you buy. Um, I don't know what m magazines now have all the designer stuff. I'm just going to say HGTV, but they're more DIY-ish. So, anyways, the big fancy design shows where they're, they're, or like the big fancy design magazines, where they're telling you, like, this is how you get this look, and you have, you know, wallpaper that's $1,000 a foot, and you have this lighting feature that's, you know, this, it's like, you don't need to do that. Like, if you have that money, great, send it my way. <laughs> I will put it to very good use. But you don't have to. And like you're saying, like you can pass it on to somebody else and somebody else can pass on something to you. Right? Facebook Marketplace is a really fun way to go. I think people mm -hmm. are just loving using that. Oh, yeah. And like I said, too, like earlier about you can paint a piece. Like then if you buy something that's a little bit cheaper but still, you know, in decent shape, you can paint it and take a little bit more risk as well yes no that is true it's kind of like when you get a beater car you don't mind romping on it a little bit exactly tying it back to the beginning where it's like your decisions don't have to be set in stone right yeah, exactly. because like we're just human you're yeah. gonna make so many mistakes in life the very least of them is gonna be buying a side table that didn't work out I know. It's like, is that even a mistake or is that an exploration? That's, yeah. Like, it's not even like it was wrong. Well, that, that gets back to our previous podcast where, like, perspective matters so much. Yeah. And another thing, like, I love kids' art. Like, if, mm. you, if you have kids, they make some amazing art pieces. And it was, it was Pablo Picasso that, like, said, every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once we grow up. Yeah. So they do something that's so lively, and you like you, now, like when you're an older artist, like, do I have a voice? Do I have a uh, point of view? Do I have a style? I mean, kids have major style. Like it just style to burn. Style to burn. And it's interesting how you can always tell which. Their personalities come out because exactly. you can always tell exactly who made it, even yep. without their names being on it. Exactly. So you can just kind of go for it, like just hang up what they, they drew with crayons, or you can maybe give them some paints. Like if you want it to you know, mm -hmm. upgrade a little bit, you can even buy a canvas, get some paints and just have fun with it. But yeah. you can do that yourself. Or or what you could do is, um, you know, now do the, the, the contemporary thing of performance art. Ooh. Yeah, so here's what you do. You get yourself some of that chalkboard paint and you paint a section of your wall with it, preferably in like the kitchen area. And then you just let the nieces go to town. 
Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is true. And then yeah. it changes too, yes. so you don't get bored of it. No, exactly. Yeah. Million dollar idea right there. There. Wow. We are so generous. For a ten dollar bucket of paint. Yeah. Probably closer to twenty now. And yeah. Fifty dollar chalk. No. <laughs> chalk is thankfully <laughs> still a bit cheap. Yes. That's a good thing. Do you have any pet peeves when it comes to decor? Um I just personal pet peeves. Yeah, I have a thing about metal art that isn't art where somebody just globs some welds together and then painted over it. So so my problem is that metal art so quickly turns into decor because it ends up getting mass produced and the people who do do it don't have any technical skills. So then you can just, if you have an eye for it, you can just see it right away. There's weld splatter here and, and all that stuff. And it just, it just bugs me because it devalues what could be really good. And so it's not necessarily the design that's bad. It's the execution and the, the lack yeah. of craftsmanship. Yeah. The lack of care behind yes. it. Yeah. And then. With wood products, so it doesn't matter if it's furniture or just little, little things. What you can see is instead, it's it's called woodworking for a reason. People, you work with the wood. You take what the wood gave you, and then you try to like you you have your own will, and the the wood has its other will, and you try to come to a compromise of what you end up with, and then it's usually something really beautiful because the wood wants to do it a little bit, and you want to do it right. But what you see in decor things made out of wood is they just forced machined it and the wood chipped out and then they slathered some putty on it. And then it just, it ends up lifeless because you didn't do anything with what was there. And those are things that will look worse with wear. I think that's another way you can tell is that does it start looking dingy and broken and start falling apart? Like, I I mean, it was, I guess te- technically it's not really decor because mm-hmm. it serves a purpose, but I had a little green side table, and it was pretty cute. It was very cheap, and it had drawers. I'm like, great, it's functional. It has drawers. And just slowly, 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 the, the drawers kept getting more and more out of a line. So just when you would look at it, the the drawers would be completely closed, but then they would like flop open and like hang sideways and like just look like <laughs> the doors were coming off. I'm like, this looks so messy and crappy. Yeah. It's just, you know, so and it's because it's not made with care. It's not, yeah, it's not made well. Yeah. It's not made with that intention for it to serve people for a long time. Yeah. And you think about, you know well-made things like when it gets a little bit dinged and like oh you moved and like this yeah. got a little cockeyed and this got a little bit scraped here it looks better yeah it's like that a good quality leather bag yeah it actually looks better after it's been oiled for 10 years and has a few scuff marks on yeah, it and you just can see like where your hands grab it every time yeah and, and it's, it's smooth like... and shiny there and because yeah. that's a quality product holding up to service right mm-hmm. So that there's like there's a distinction where the design can be exactly the same. Yeah. But it's what materials and how it's put together that is the difference. Exactly. I would say my pet peeve is and this is 
is going to offend so many people and I don't mean it to be offensive. Uh, my pet peeve is art pieces or like wall hanging things. I don't even know what you call it. Things that you stick on your wall that have words on it or just like little signs that have words on it. And I just, it just feels to me like how we devalued art so much that we have to have literal words on our walls telling us how to feel. I don't know. I just find the whole like live, laugh, love thing so hokey. And it's just like, maybe you could find a piece of art that expresses living and loving and laughing. Yeah. So I, I don't know why you have to have this sign that everybody else has. Just, I don't know. I don't know what purpose it has. Like, what does it do? I believe that when people see it, they're like, oh, yes, that's just so what I like about life is living and laughing and loving. But what you're saying almost or what what I think is the problem with it is it it is too limited. You're you're putting three words on one plaque and those words almost become flat. Yeah. They they just become like living living is so rich. Like living is literally your whole life, <laughs> which is yeah. 80 years, let's say. Yeah. Okay. And then loving like loving's complex loving yeah. has like pain and suffering it has yeah. joys beyond belief and laughing like you can laugh because you remember that time that you know the some you were with somebody and it was a good time but now they're gone but you you know like it sparks such a joy but it's actually kind of a painful laugh you can, like you can just laugh at a really good joke. Yeah, actually, there, like, now that you're even like as you're you know mm -hmm. breaking it down like this, I think of a piece of art like um, like Picasso's Three Musicians. Yeah, where it's all about that. It's about a time where they were living as friends together, and that this was a you know time where they could play music together. They were laughing together. They were friends. But it's also saying this time is gone. There's sorrow. One has died. One has joined a monastery. So this is this was the good time, but also there was sadness. So in that work of art, you have live, laugh, love, but like in texture. Exactly. It, it's it's and not. It doesn't say that. It doesn't tell you. Don't that. You, you always hear it in writing class? Don't tell me. Show me. Yeah. That should be the way. That's in actually your... my biggest pet peeve about writing as well. Yeah. And movies. And everything. <laughs> oh, don't you just love the movies there? All of a sudden it was like, okay, now let's just tell you what's going to happen. And then it happens. I know. And they're just like, or like they recap what just happened. And I'm like, yeah. dude, I just watched the movie. I know yeah. what happened. I think that might be the uh, playing to the lowest denominator. Could be. But I'm like, we should, we should be rising up. And if we have to watch a movie twice, so be it. Yeah. Believe me, there are movies that I have to see more than once to get all of it. Especially if you fall asleep in the middle. Well, that's your fault. You didn't come prepared. I didn't come prepared. Well, if we watched the movie at 10 o'clock in the morning, I bet you I'd stay awake. <laughs> Good plan. We'll, we'll do that then. Okay. Yeah. Right? Like, we'll just roll you out of bed, give you some coffee, and just say, okay, watch the movie. Yeah. Well, no, not roll me out of bed. Just, like, after I've had, you know, an hour or so of, of working, and then, then, then watch the movie. You know, yeah. then, then my brain is fully engaged. Okay. 
Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think one more point, and I think this is kind of hammering home what we, we were trying to say, is when you're you're looking to buy something or you're looking at your space, is it filler or is it something that you gain from when you look at it? Is it filler or is it thriller? Woo! Thriller. <laughs> it's my, my thrilled. Ah! Is it filler or is it killer? Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's where we're getting back to like it should it should bring joy to you, right? And that joy And it should also reflect who you are as God has said who you are. Yeah, as redeemed people in Christ. So and you can do if that. If it's that, then you're doing a good job. We hope you have enjoyed the Ducks Never Waver lunch break. If you would like to fill your senses with more Ducks Never Waver goodness, you can feast your eyeballs on Instagram and Facebook. Touch some of our beautiful pieces that we will ship right to your door by ordering them through Etsy. Or you can continue hearing us on this magnificent culmination of auditory recordation donation buckets are in the description for you to invest in the betterment of this podcast we will work diligently to read and present interesting topics your hard-earned money will be joyously and gratefully spent to improve your lunch break want to keep your hard-earned money and who doesn't you can still support us and yourself by rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing this year podcast with all the other ducks in your life. Stay quacky, my friends. <laughs>